Hey there, Evil Dead fans. Welcome to another episode of the Ash vs. Evil Dead After Show on AfterBuzz TV. Tonight, we are talking about Season 3, Episode 4, Unfinished Business. We're going to be breaking down the episode, talking about Ash's adventure with his ghost dad, Brandy and Kelly fighting off evil Pablo, and the secrets of the Necronomicon. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz you know when I get attacked by a deadite, I want this song to be what's playing when that happens. Oh, I'm going to do exactly this. I'm going to put up my arms, I'm going to wave, because it's like, is it, what is it, bears? If you can make the bear think that you're bigger than it is, it won't hurt you. Is that what, is, does that apply to demons too? Is that a thing? I'm not sure it applies to bears. <laughs> uh, maybe mountain lions. But what happens when they're demonic mountain lions? I, Does I, it still apply? I feel like I end up in seven or eight pieces is what happens when they're a demonic mountain lion. I feel like that's the case whether it's bears, mountain lions, demons, or demonic li- mountain lions. I'm glad that we settled that I shouldn't go head to head with a bear and wave my arms to this song. You know, don't just don't go outside, Lex. Just I'm going to rethink my, what my tomorrow is going to be now because it was all about bears until it, it just was, a moment it ago. It was all about bears and demons and cellars and creepy, creepy stuff like that. Well, all the time. Just stay inside. You know, it's been <laughs> raining. It's been raining here in Los Angeles. You're better off inside. But what if there's a dead guy in my cellar? Oh, now that presents its own set of problems. Mm. I guess you're good as long as you don't lock him like up while he's still alive down there. You got to double tap. Make sure he's dead. Right. Or he'll eat all my spam. All of your spam. All blocks. of my spam. That was my civil defense <laughs> rations. <laughs> For... <laughs> Well, anyway, we should probably get going. Hey there, Evil Dead fans. Welcome back to the Ashes is Evil Dead After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. I'm Megan Salinas, and with me, as always, is the Lex Michael. That is me. I am the Lex Michael. <laughs> the one and only, probably. That I know of. <laughs> Sadly, Lucretia was not able to join us tonight. Uh, she's not feeling well. Be sure to send her your well wishes at Lucretia Lion. Guys, we've got a lot of fun stuff to talk about tonight, and I cannot wait. So let's get right to it. Yes. Lex, initial thoughts and feelings about this episode. I love this show. I do too! <laughs> I love this show. Um, so, all right, so we're we're moving into the middle portion of the season, right? This was episode four of ten, I believe. I believe and, that is the case. And it felt like the first three episodes were very much about putting all of the pieces where we wanted them to be. And now it feels like we're taking all of those pieces and we're now smashing them together in really interesting and and seriously freaky, disturbing ways. <laughs> um, no, I had a I had a blast. This got this got me in a couple of different ways. I laughed a bunch, and it also there were a few uh, emotional beats that they hit that I thought were really effective and then immediately undercut in the way that this show is so proficient at. But yeah, I I feel like this hit most of the boxes for me. Yeah, I don't know how this franchise in equal parts presents both like heart and cynicism in the way that it does and delivers that in a very humorous way. Yes. It's, It's one of those things where it's just like this so this show has a soul but oh my goodness if it's not going to like poke fun and laugh at itself along the way right well it's uh, much like ash it's it's got its moments but it's also uh, a drunken perverted uh, sometimes racist <laughs> with racist <laughs> bizarre, bizarre animal but we love it so because it does have oh so very many moments yeah and um and it'll be interesting too i like again the the bits of world building and i feel like this season is really taking the time 
to world build in a way that not necessarily the other two seasons haven't, but because every season has added to the lore. But I feel like this one, as you pointed out, uh, is really taking the time to lay a lot of groundwork for other Necronomicon-related stuff. So it's really cool to see them very much expanding the world of the Necronomicon. Yeah, absolutely. And a number of things that we're seeing already this season that are making me go, oh, wait, like, what? On the one level, yeah, obviously, like, what? Like, oh, this is crazy. This is the show doing more crazy stuff. Look at the mouth coming out of that lady's leg. Um <laughs> But then, but then also at the same time, like, especially like where, where what's going on with Pablo is concerned, the way they are, they're right. Like you said, they're laying groundwork, but they're not, they're not throwing a bunch of information at us and going, all right, here's what's up. Let's see what, what now the effect of this big thing is on the world. It's what is up. Let's track these little bits of information and see if we can't follow this string to the answer to these big questions. And I feel like maybe we'll get to it later in the conversation, but like next week, maybe we'll start to peel back a few more of those layers but yeah a lot of stuff that i'm really it almost feels like there's um like this is not a mystery show so to speak no but, but. it does feel like there are a bunch of big questions that it's not super pointedly setting up but that it's presenting you with and it's it's now really interesting to see them tell a story in this way where it's like okay like now yeah let me follow the breadcrumbs get a little bit more yeah a little bit more. every um every other season so far has been about like going from point a to point b um, you know, get this thing, uh, fight demons, go here, fight demons, etc. Not that that's bad or anything like that. But yeah, this is this is the first time it feels like we're getting uh, a bits of a mystery piece by piece by piece. Yeah, it, it felt right in the seasons past. It felt a little bit like even if we didn't know quite how we were getting there, we knew what our our destination was pretty generally at least by the the near halfway point in the season whether it's okay we know like ball is a problem we're gonna have to figure out how to deal with him at some point or i just i was thinking about season one and then my brain immediately went back to the kid hitting the fan in the diner which has <laughs> nothing to do with their, their overall a to b journey that's where my brain went but point being yeah what right now We've got, like you say, like we've got so much world building happening. We've got so much expansion of the the story as it existed. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it goes. And that's a bit of a new sensation, like not knowing where we're going at all, let alone how we're going to get there. The uh, yeah, we we've taken time to speculate, obviously, in the past. But one thing I'm kind of like noticing too is seeing how Ruby's character changes. You were you were talking about season one, and just now my brain went to thinking back on how Ruby was presented to us in season one. And that was a huge misdirect uh, up until the final couple episodes of the season. So, and then again, in season two, she had this heel face turn where she ended up being on our side and then ended up getting killed by her past self. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to Ruby, but yeah, I kind of, in a weird way, I'm looking at Ruby in this episode and I'm seeing elements of who she was in season one, which is an interesting backwards journey because this is past Ruby. She wouldn't have necessarily gotten there yet. So it's interesting to think about Whoa, my brain. just in terms of like performance, but yeah, let's, let's, let's go ahead and go back to the beginning. Um, because Ash is dealing with the fallout of having murdered deadite dad. I, I love that we <laughs> did for just a, a minute up top we got like the full force ghost looking uh <laughs> lee majors this was very nice i i didn't dare hope that this was coming especially when the next week on last week showed him in what looked to be like a full solid corporeal form very happy that we got like the little smoke ash ghost. you need to go to the dega bus system no <laughs> the uh it, it was a very 
it it was a great effect because it was so cheesy and like kind of stereotypical ghosty and i like i like that they went that way because the show is so silly yes and so of course if and very like rarely does this show ever or does this franchise ever do ghost i think the last time there was like a ghostly specter in evil dead it was in evil dead 2 when the professor kind of showed up yeah. randomly um as he's saying like ah the secret was in the book you guys have to figure out a way to close the portal yes 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 so it was it was cool to see those nods at looking at Brock in this episode, but also then uh, when we get to the cellar too, because there was kind of a brief nod to that. Yes. Okay. Before we get there though. Yes. Um, we've, the got, ver- we've got some stuff to talk the, about before the, we get there. The very first, I think my favorite bit of business maybe with Lee Majors' entire episode was in that very first scene where he, he sort of, you know, he becomes a little more solid in his appearance and his reaction. Cause right. He was, he was run over by a haunted Delta. Then his body was reanimated and then he comes home and meets his granddaughter and then his son chainsaws his reanimated <laughs> body to death. And now he's here as a, as a specter and his reaction to this whole thing is, I always wanted to be a ghost. Isn't this cool? <laughs> I was like, that was amazing. And I love his attitude about it. He's just so positive about the entire thing. This is exciting. Yeah. And then, and then of course, my brain starts going, wait, so you always wanted to be a ghost? <laughs> like, you, you thought your kid was full of shit and potentially a murderer because he was going on about demons. But you yourself, quietly, all of these years, harbored a secret desire to be a specter. I mean, is it really surprising that a member of the Williams family would want to walk through walls? <laughs> It's no, it's so I'm not at all surprised that's, by that. That's disturbing. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. This, I don't want that at all. <laughs> uh, but it is kind of funny just thinking of it. It's like an ooh. Right. Like he just seems so, just for a moment, he seems so giddy. <laughs> just like, oh, that's nifty. And he seems to like, he adjusts to it pretty quick, right? Because later when they do get to the cellar, Ash creeps down the stairs and he's like, are you coming? Turns around and Brock <laughs> is right behind him. He's like, ah. And Brock's just like, what? I do it. I do this now. That, I mean, not going to lie, it would be pretty cool to be able to be, to transport yourself instantaneously. Short distances, I would use that all the time. Right, I feel like I would really love to be part of like a learning how to ghost montage. (laughs) Like where I just try, like all my powers, I mess stuff up, I get stuck in a wall for an hour and I'm like, where am I going? I'm a ghost, what do I do? (laughs) There'd be a lot of that. There'd be a lot of me waving my arms at bears <laughs> and going, I'm a ghost. What do I do? Well, see, that's what happens. You this, The start of the show is you waving your arms at bears, getting murdered by the bear, and then you're a ghost. And uh, so the first time you're a ghost, you're waving your arms. Oh, that's... And you're stuck in a wall, awful. and it's hilarious. And then it's like somebody... You'll play back the audio of me being killed by the bear, and we won't hear it. We'll just see your face, <laughs> the grave look on your face, and you'll turn to my loved ones, and you'll be like, you must never listen to this. No, don't. Don't never do it. Li- he just keeps laughing and about how pumped he is to be a ghost. It would only upset you. <laughs> if you only knew the things that I know. <laughs> but yeah, to get back, um, in 2012, yes. we we finally get this moment where that that last line that Brock had before he died, before he was hit by that evil demon car. Um, and I always thought that they were just kind of going to play this off as a joke, but it turns out, given in, we have a third season, that they have time to develop that through line. Yes. And what is the secret? The secret is that back in 2012, which, interesting year choice, by the way, 
Back in 2012, a member of the Knights of Sumeria came to Brock's hardware store, insisted that he needed to find Ash, and ended up getting murdered for his trouble. And in his possession were missing pages from the Necronomicon. Um, aside from the fact that Brock murdered this man. Straight up killed this man. Like really horribly he left him down there to starve like it would be one thing if the guy had died when brock pushed him down the stairs (laughs) right but no he died very slowly no he tried to survive on spam and god knows how long he was down there before the spam ran out oh man oh that's so upsetting brock that's bad you did a bad thing brock but um that aside i thought the year 2012 was a very interesting choice yes why because the Evil Dead remake came out in 2013. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering if in the timeline, if it's possible that the Evil Dead remake also exists within the same continuity as the show and the other movies. Yeah, I mean, like, think about how happy that would make fan, like, every fan of this entire franchise, right? Because that's been heavily speculated for a number of years that that it's, reboot might still fit into the continuity when, somewhere. When they first announced the show, my first question was, is Mia going to be in it? Right. Um, and I, I appreciate the the fact that the show has focused on uh, Ash and the developing relationships he has with Kelly and Pablo, but I would also really love, because it's taken the time to acknowledge every other incarnation of the franchise right. including the one where the rights were really hard to get right i would very much love it if they if they acknowledged the the reboot as well because that was less of a reboot and more of a sort of pseudo sequel right so i would love it if this show were to take time to be like yeah that totally happened even just a nod right because like early on there were before we could really play with the army of darkness toys they would they would talk around some of that stuff and then once they could play with it just in one line it's like oh that's right i went back in time once and all of a sudden that box is open so even if if this season all we got was just a throwaway line about another group of people who ended up at that cabin and we get like a a photo somewhere just a name drop real quick and then we move on even that would please me i guess the biggest problem with that is that because they went back in time before ash and crew originally went to the cabin and uh destroyed it technically that means it was never there for when this is again where we get wibbly wobbly timey wimey but in theory if that cabin was destroyed ash never went there and then me and her friends never went there because there was no cabin to go to but right. that being said, when you start messing with time, there are universes and stuff where stuff does exist. I mean, Ruby's still dead. Pablo is still alive. Cheryl's still dead. Like, it's one of those things where some things were clearly altered, but some things weren't. Right. So even though Ash's life has gotten considerably better. <laughs> time travel's complica- complicated. Yeah, right? but... Because you would think if by destroying the cabin, that would mean Cheryl would be alive. In theory. As, as would all his other friends and things like that. In theory. But nah. So it's not unreasonable to assume that because of time travel shenanigans, along with the fact that the book seems to also jump, jump around in right. places in time, like it's not too far-fetched to assume that 
the remake still happened. Yeah, and I would, I would, everybody, every Evil Dead fan would love an acknowledgement, an, an open acknowledgement that these, uh, all these iterations share a continuity. And if it doesn't happen yeah. this season, I know right now, apparently, they have yet to get a fourth season renewal. It's a little bit up in the air as of this moment. If you're listening, subscribe to Stars and tell them it's because <laughs> you want to watch Ash vs. Evil Dead. Um, but if, even if we don't get it this year, if, fingers crossed, they get a fourth season, maybe we can use it to play with that more because what i don't know where the story of this season goes but wouldn't it be great to see a a season a five hour long season that really delves into the the shared reality between the reboot and the rest of the franchise i think would be awesome and uh i mean the the remake in and of itself also took a lot of time to make nods to the original as a madness maker in the chat points out that they've got the the delta in the remake um and there were there were a couple other nods as well so i i would assume that it's not out of the realm of possibility the, the other thing Madness Maker said that I quite enjoy was this reference to the line where uh, Brock has no clue who Ruby is until Ash <laughs> refers to her as Sasquatch. And he's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Ruby. That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, so wait. I want to I go back because you, we were talking about this poor knight that Brock uh, left left to die terribly in his cellar. What wh- what did you think about this reveal overall? Because I, I have I, – I'm positive. I'm pro this reveal, but I, I like the layers to it. But I wanted to get your take on it overall. I – appreciate i i like getting more about the knights of sumeria and i also think the idea of there being pages ripped from the necronomicon and just being out in the world i love that idea as a dangerous force because all this time you know ash was keeping the necronomicon safe right um and there are missing pages that are just out in the world and i love the idea of that being pivotal to what's happening now right so for me it it's okay it's three things it's, <laughs> yeah it's, no th- this is a layered discussion because brock did a terrible this thing dude, man this is a tragedy so, the, the, like, the way this guy's life ended is a horror story a fascinating family i tell you what um <laughs> so for me it's right all right so look on the on the one level the way brock describes it it really seems like the big the big secret uh, that he wanted to impart to his son. Like, yes, obviously, specifically, it's about this night in the basement. But <laughs> but the way he describes it, he's saying, you know, I, I wanted you to know that I do believe you. And, you know, I, I support... It's his way of saying, like, I, I love you, son, and I believe in you without having to say it. That's very nice. Immediately under that layer is the fact that he horribly killed this dude. <laughs> but then under that even is, is me going, wait... If in 2012 you you bought into this, why last year or whenever that were you such a jerk to Ash when he came home about every bit of it? <laughs> well, it's one of those things where he didn't necessarily believe his son when this guy came a knocking. But in Brock's mind, his son was very disturbed. Right. And so here comes this guy who's playing into the delusions that his son had spewed. Right. So... Of course he's like, forget you and your nonsense. How dare you? My son's a very troubled individual, and this nonsense ruined his life. So again, it is super lair. <laughs> Starved to death in the cellar. Oh my god, that uh, was not at all justified. Ooh. Oh. That was like, and not for nothing, right? Like, the dude... He just for Okay, so for all Brock knew, I guess, like, when he took the header off the stairs, that's when the guy was dead. Okay, fine. At no point did he go look? No! Like, he didn't think it was probably bad for business if somebody found a corpse in his cellar? (laughs) 
Like, you want to move it eventually, I would think, if nothing else. I mean, I feel like we had a lengthy discussion last week about how the Williams family it just sort of tosses just bodies in the, in the woods, but, like... <laughs> Brock didn't even do that. He just boarded it up. No. Can we also talk about the fact that Ash just in general does not have a ton of luck when it comes to sellers? No. Just, can I just say that, like, Evil Dead is enough to have me sworn off of sellers and basements for forever? Like, can 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 we all just be agreed that... Megan never has to go into a cellar or a basement ever. Do you know what it is for me? It's it's not even like a basement. It's like the the cellars with the doors, like the trap door that opens yeah. and closes. Because the, it's the aesthetic of it, right? Like, and, and Evil Dead has employed this over and over again. It's the it's not somebody peeking through a doorway. It's somebody's head like popping up from the ground, like half opening the the trap door with their head and staring at you. Because it's like. Right, the the mental image of being pulled into a room to me is not as scary as being pulled down into something. <laughs> That's terrifying. I don't there's, like- a, there's a different connotation, just ever so slightly. Yes. I've got one that's both of those things. I was one time I stayed at an Airbnb when my friends and I went on vacation, and in the closet of this cabin by you know in the woods by this lake, in the closet was a trap door like that. Nope. So it's <laughs> like nope. dual and it was kind of like a hidden closet too like it looked like it was built into the wall and all my friends are like hey we should take a gander down there and i was like you have fun with that i'm I'm going to be over here call me when you die and and that's that's why you're still here yep and there we haven't seen them since yep i miss them yeah Good times. We went back to check the house. It was gone. (laughs) (laughs) Wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Um, So yeah, to get back. But what they do find in the cellar, in addition to this skeleton, (laughs) is that one of the things this knight did before his untimely passing was try to figure out on the pages, kind of try to unravel this puzzle. And so all across the wall are the is literally writing on the wall um, from this ancient Sumerian text. And this is where we get sort of a, a peek into what appears to be uh, the gateway to the nether realm. Yeah. Which is where Brandy's friend is currently residing. And again, this is what I meant when I said a throwback to Evil Dead 2, because we got a brief glimpse of the professor within the nether world as well. And so it's really creepy to think that like Everybody who's been possessed and killed as a deadite, their souls are here. You're right. Not released. They're like trapped within this nether region. Which is something I guess I'd never thought too much about before. It's like when somebody turns into a deadite, I guess you, I felt safe to assume that whatever was in there before was just boop, gone. <laughs> just, but apparently, no, they actually like take them and, and much like the Williamses, they take the dead people and just like chuck them into a hole or something. <laughs> but yeah, like what a. They, it, they check them into the metaphysical equivalent of a hole. But like it yeah, she doesn't she doesn't look like she's having a very good time in there no. or whatever whatever is happening. No, and what we find out um from the dialogue between Ruby and Kaya is that what this has essentially done is create a rift from where the dark ones are locked away. So the dark ones are in there and the Knights of Sumeria have opened up this hole and it's really just a matter of time, I guess, before the dark ones go. Hey, is that an opening? Right. Oh, 
Oh. <laughs> hey, Pete, why don't you go take a gander real quick? Let oh, us know okay. what you find. I'm going. <laughs> that's, that's Pete. Pete's, uh, Pete's older. The dark one, Pete. He's got a shovel. We don't know why. <laughs> I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, and and we get this great uh, slapsticky scene of Ash getting attacked by the cellar roots, which the is roots, yes, okay. always brings up really negative connotations whenever you get like roots, roots and, and vines. Yeah. And, yeah, no, no, thank you. I'm very glad that they just played this up for comedy. See, I would have been, I probably would have been more uncomfortable during the sequence if I had made that connection. Honestly, uh, it's like, all right, now it's like, of course they're roots. In my head, I was just like, what are these wall tentacles? <laughs> Like, what's good? This is great. This doesn't I have mean, to make they, sense. They like, could have been otherworldly tentacles, but what? in my mind, they were cellar roots. I was just like, is Ragman here? Like, what's going on? It's, but no, like, the root. of course it's the roots. That is the only thing that makes any sense at all. Um, yeah, that's, yikes. And again, you just don't, know, no, no, when it comes to Evil Dead stuff. <laughs> Oh no, do you think that the dude who got left in the cellar had to deal with those? I mean, that might be what killed him. Uh, in a in a way that might have been slightly more merciful was, than just say, starving to death. Yeah, like better or worse than starving. I guess it depends on how like quick and efficient the roots are at murder. Well, and it also I guess depends on then like if he just starved to death, then technically his soul could move on to whatever nether pla- nether plane he was destined to go to. But if he Maybe. was murdered by cellar roots, he's probably in the nether world. I mean, I mean, well, sure, if he's, yes, he was definitely put in the never, just chucked into the hole if if the roots killed him. But if he's, I don't know how this how this works. Maybe it's it's uh, maybe there's a clear answer to this. But right, if he dies in the room with the roots, he starves to death. If it, once his soul like gets up and tries to leave the room, wouldn't the roots be like, no, 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 come here, and they'd wrap around him and they'd just put him in the hole anyway. Maybe. I don't know the rules. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> when we've got some talk in the chat about the pages themselves, uh, Blind Press in the chat makes a uh, mention that maybe they were the pages Jake threw in the cellar in Evil Dead 1, mm. which, that's a deep cut. Yeah. That's a great throwback if that's the case. And um, Madness Maker also points out that the pages got sucked into the wall. So that's not good. If that's never good. If they, <laughs> if the answer to how to stop all this or close the rift was in those pages, that's bad. Yeah. Now I'm thinking, like, right, we keep trying to destroy this thing or put it places where nobody can find it. Is the solution to just send it to space? Or <laughs> or is the next thing that happens, like, planetary invasion of deadites, like deadites with spaceships and lasers and stuff? Uh, alien deadites, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the next step. I'm so de- – Evil, de- evil Dead Covenant, I'm down. That's season four. <laughs> uh, just take my money. I will. I will sell my limbs to finance this season if I have to. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm not to take them. Take them right now. One hundred percent serious. Um, so after after Ash gets out of this, you know, gets out of that situation, he and Brock have this very as heartfelt a goodbye as Ash and his father could have. Yeah, and and again in in true Evil Dead fashion, a really nice moment of connection that they immediately undercut. But at the same time, didn't right like right because it it is just the way that they communicate to constantly rag on each other in that same like I love you without saying I love you way right um you know saying oh you're gonna be a great dad and having the last thing you really mean that no the having the last thing he say you know 
completely undermine that. But at the same time, it's like, that's his way of saying, because I'm not a great dad either, but you're going to do your best. Yeah. Anything else would have felt uncharacteristic. It would have felt weirdly sappy for the two of them. Yeah. And and so, yeah, this and even the look on Ash's face was just like it was. This was the perfect way to get closure with these two. Which which makes me think that maybe we've seen the last of Brock, which I think would be a shame because I love what Lee Majors brings to this dynamic. I do, too. It's nice for for Ash to have a dynamic with somebody who can who can tell him off in ways that Pablo and Kelly can't or won't. Right. So it's nice to have somebody there to sort of smack down his ego a little bit, but also to have kind of this fun banter with as well. Because they are family, and yeah. they have reached this understanding. Yeah, and I just I think watching the two of them, watching uh, uh, Bruce Campbell and Lee Majors play off each other, it's just it never it has not gotten old, um, and it keeps <laughs> it keeps it keeps being fun, and they keep finding little new new wrinkles, and that chemistry keeps developing. And like, yeah, I think it would be even though I agree, like this was felt fitting, felt like a, a good closure for the two of them. I, I think it would be a shame if we don't see him anymore. Like, just have him have him possess the car or something. Just have him around. <laughs> like, you can even seriously have him possess some inanimate object to the or the or the uh, the the lizard, the iguana. Um, there you go. And just that way. The you iguana just, voiced by Lee Majors. Right. Seriously, you just have Lee Majors come in for like two hours for of the whole ADR. season. Right. Yeah. And all he has to do is just stand in a booth for two hours and go home. And we still get their interplay on the show. I'm that season four with the space deadites and the bears and, and Mia and, and the Lee Majors iguana. Uh, we're going to cut off my limbs after this show and we're going to sell them and we're going to make it happen. Stars looking at you. <laughs> Yes, I am down for all of that. Um, but yeah, let's let's uh, let. Do we have any final thoughts on uh, Ash and his dad before we move on? Because right after that beautiful, bittersweet, but also very silly moment, um, Ash kind of is able to track down where Ruby is located. Yes, uh, because uh, his dad knew the real Miss Previtt. And uh, there's a botched rescue attempt. I was really hoping that Hitchhiker was already dead because poor lady. Because uh, if the preview is anything to go on, she's she's not going to last long. No. (laughs) Next episode. Uh, But we got we got not only a scary seller in this episode, also a scary attic. Yeah, like. (laughs) <laughs> on both fronts of the house. It, on both fronts of the house, you've got the top and the bottom. It's just a sandwich of terror. Basically, it's not safe to be indoors either. No. We can't be indoors because there are deadites. We can't be outdoors because there are bears. Where am I supposed to go, Megan? Um, Space with the Necronomicon. No, obviously. there are deadites there. <laughs> you can't go to space. I guess the only place you can go to is like the bar and just wait. And like hope that whoever, like while I'm just under the bar crying and drinking, what are they? Pink fucks just drinking those. Hope that somebody in the bar has their shit together and is ready to fight. If and we is get ready to wield a chainsaw or a pool cue. Uh, That's the best that you can hope for in this world. Um, <laughs> but I, I, the only thing I want to touch on for for this moment is that I really we have another evil kid running around who's no longer a fetus. But ooh. I really loved this pantomime moment between the hitchhiker and Ash. Yes, because. Uh, Bruce Campbell is such a great comedic, physically great comedic yes. actor. And so it's nice to see somebody working off of that in in a way that is purely physical. Yes. Um, no, that was, uh, that was a really great bit of business. And then, of course, him getting stuck to the sink was a nice <laughs> callback to the moment earlier in the episode where he... Where his hand was short-circuiting. And he says something vaguely racist about Pablo <laughs> and the parts that he used to make the hand, I think. We know that Ash was the one that paid for those parts and refused. 
refused to pay top dollar right. for it, and Pablo did the best he could. Uh, but so we get a nice a nice callback to that moment because his hand gets stuck in the sink, which I thought was nice. Yeah, that was great. But it means he has a malfunctioning hand and a demon child running around in that room in the dark. I am not. I am both really into the design of that scary kid and also so not down with that scary kid. <laughs> I do not want to party with that guy. I just don't. <laughs> it's just looking at how rapidly he's um, aging, I'm wondering if we're going to have another full-grown evil Ash, you know, not long from now, and if that's going to be Bruce Campbell doing a dual role again as as evil Ash again, or if they're going to get another actor to be young Ash, or, or if they're going with something a little different for this uh, demon spawn. Man, I just, the teeth. I just, I don't know about any of that, man. I just know that I don't want that thing to bite me. <laughs> well, speaking of bites, uh, let's talk about uh, Brandy and Kelly fighting evil Pablo. This was hardcore distressing. Yes! And like, okay, maybe, maybe the, the stress of it was alleviated ever so slightly by the fact that we've seen him die horribly once before. <laughs> we've so seen him like, chopped to pieces. Right, so I'm like, that ruined my heart. So like, it, I feel like you can't, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, something, something, something. It was, it was shame fine. Shame on it ghost. Was, right, it was, a, it was a, no, it was such a, and right, right up top, right, because last week we saw, basically vanished. We didn't know what happened to Pablo. Yeah. He just ran off. Yeah, and it, right after Demon Dalton was like, hey, uh, this is Pablo's fault. I told you it was Pablo's fault. I told you we couldn't trust him. And Kelly going, no, that's that's not what happened. And then he turned into a deadite. So, of course, we dismissed anything he had to say about not being able to trust Pablo. Well, that dismissal, you know, came back to bite us at the beginning of this episode. Because he... Absolutely was evil possessed deadite Pablo. Not for nothing, right? Like they and I, they keep coming up with really clever ways to do like a splatter effect to get to get us to the title and him coming right through the windshield. That I, I was that like, was, whoa! Ah. That was jarring. It's that like, was no, really the heads jarring. don't go there. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. and, <laughs> Great song choice, by the way. It was, yes, that was it, and it just—it was such an upsetting sequence because he's—he is the heart of the show, and like I don't want to get too too far ahead uh, of the conversation. Like, well, obviously, we'll we'll have probably more specific predictions, but it looks like right, like we we established earlier in the season already that the the writing is still on his body. There's still some residual effects of whatever bond with the book he had. And it's totally possible that what we're seeing is some is like the early stages of a, a almost like a battle for Pablo's soul. Yeah, and he's got he's he's like he's like Blade. He's like the Daywalker. He's got a foot in both worlds, and he's he's being pulled towards the darkness. And hopefully, we'll we'll see maybe in the next week or two, maybe he will be provided with some tools to fight back against that darkness. Well, that's that's what's so upsetting, as you pointed out. We've seen this character die before and and get brought back to life. More upsetting than seeing him killed is seeing him corrupted, mm-hmm. and. That's because he is so good and so pure. And that's one of the things that was really appealing about making him part Necronomicon, so to speak, is that he does have a foot in both worlds. And so it's nice to have somebody who can walk both lines and be that gray area in what very much gets painted as good is good, bad, you know. Good is good, evil is evil. There, There is no in-between. It's nice having a character that can be 
a little bit evil, but use that to his advantage for good. Yes, and I loved, too, that when uh, when Kelly and Brandy are holed up in Ash's trailer and he's trying to get in, Kelly makes it a point to say, no, like, the person who, uh, of all of them, with the exception of maybe Ash, is the most down to kill the crap out of every single one of these things. It's like, no, 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 we're not killing him. That's Pablo. We're going to help him. Yeah, well, he kind of, she kind of owes him one because when she was possessed by Eligas, he didn't give up on her. That's right. Man, yeah. that was stressful. Which which it's kind of nice to see that come full circle too. Yes. Because um that was something that like yeah, that was very distressing in season one. So it's nice to see that when the reverse happened because like I always wondered like if the situation had been reversed, would Kelly do everything she could to save Pablo, or would it kind of be like an evil dead one situation where Ash sort of has to kill his friends? Um, and it's nice to see that when it, the situation is reversed, she is like, nah, I know there's there's a way to fix this, and right. we're going to find it. But then she got, she got that bite, and for half a second... I forgot what show I was watching, and I was like, "Oh no, she's definitely dead now." And I was like, "This is not. That's not that show. This is a different show." I was like, "That looks not that the looks, Walking Dead, right? That looks pretty unpleasant, though." And then, of course, it grows a Pablo mouth, which is like looks very much. It reminded me very much of the effect in um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street yes. when his mouth comes through the phone. I'm your boyfriend now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I will say that when uh, when this bite happened, my immediate thought was like, "Oh shoot!" Like. You know, Ash lost his hand. Uh-huh, that was the next of, thing I thought about because uh, because it got possessed and corrupted, and now Kelly's leg, like right on the knee, too. I was like, we could, we could chop off her leg and then give her a machine gun, a little, like grindhouse, right? Leg. Yeah, <laughs> and she just like a- at the end of the season, she just like swinging it around, killing everything <laughs> in sight. I yes, I am down with that. That or like. Yeah. Failing that, just like a sweet bionic leg. Just give her like a cyborg leg, like Ash's hand. That would be cool. That Could would be come cool up with too. like with some wacky scenarios where it malfunctions <laughs> and everybody laughs. Ah, and a good time is had by all. Um, the I think the only th- other thing to touch on in this episode is Ruby and as we as we mentioned earlier, Kaya, uh, because Ruby opens up the net the Necronomicon and we see that the whole reason why it looks like Kaya was locked away was because she took Ruby's side. Which is an interesting, so because I always thought she was just using the Necronomicon for her own purposes. Not nah, sounded like she was very much on Ruby's side way back in the day, and she's just kind of trying to walk that razor's edge to not be consumed by the dark ones who are locked away with her. I really want to know all about the like crazy Game of Thronesy drama happening amongst the old ones. I would watch that TV program. Hell yeah, it would be so prohibitively expensive. I feel like at a, as a comic book, maybe we've got a better shot of no, seeing something like I that. I would, I would totally love a flashback episode that took place entirely in the past and was just Ruby and Kaya and Dark One Game of Thrones stuff. Like that would be so cool. I feel like almost like even if you would just do it like animated, right? Because I feel like. Again, like to do it to do that to like depict all of these demons in on their home turf in their full glory would cost a, about like what an Avengers movie costs <laughs> for one episode. So I even just animate it, but like if you could give us like solid animation and then just take us into that I mean, world and those dynamics. This show has done really good animation in the past, even just last episode. But it, like this whole thing was really upsetting because for a brief moment we got to see Dalton again. Oh, this poor guy! And he really like. 
you really get the sense that he really did have a good heart because when the evil is kept at bay um, and Ruby is torturing him for information, uh, he chooses to just go out rather than betray his friends. Right. And also, right, he knows, too, like, she's right. Eventually, he will lose and evil's just going to take him over again anyway. And at that point, she she's probably going to be able to get whatever it is she wants or need. And he's like, not if I don't have a head. Bam! But this is this is what I'm talking about in terms of like seeing elements of season one Ruby come back because her dynamic with the other deadites is never positive because right. she is that traitor. So I kind of like the idea of seeing eventually this Ruby turn into season one Ruby. Yeah, I'm hoping we or, get there. Or I guess beginning of season two Ruby where, you know, she goes through this journey and then kind of turns over a new leaf. I I just really think that's an interesting journey. I, uh, yeah, for sure. And I want to see those dots get connected because we see, right, like you were saying, like we see overlap between the versions of Ruby, but they still feel like distinct personalities. And I want to see the line from one to the other. All right. So do we have any other thoughts on this episode before we go ahead and delve on into some predictions? No, I think I think I think we're good. All right. Let's go ahead and talk some predictions. And now you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. So, yeah, Kelly has an evil demon mouth on her leg. How do we resolve this? I feel like there's right. Like, come on. There's almost <laughs> literally zero chance that she still has her natural leg by the end of the season. I mean, it's entirely possible that with all of the Brujo stuff that is clearly happening in the next episode, it's entirely possible that Pablo turns back to normal and is able to dispel it. That or she's got a good Pablo mouth on her leg. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Uh, um, but but right. That's a good point. Right. I'm like, I, as soon as I said that, I was immediately like, yeah, but like Pablo literally got his top part removed from his bottom part. We figured that out. <laughs> yeah. So we could probably figure out, yes, but but I almost, I would like to see it. If we're going to commit to like, something's got to be done about this leg, I will, because we've been, we've been watching for the past couple of years, Kelly become hopefully a better, smarter, less perverted and racist version <laughs> of Ash. And this is just another massive step in that direction. Um, so I would, I'd kind of like to see it just to see like Kelly continues to be the, the strongest, most resilient character on this show. How does she deal with that? Well, it's also nice to, as, as much as we love the show, um, we had a character die and then get brought back to life and we're very grateful that he got brought back to life, but that does sort of undermine things in terms of like actions needing consequences. Yes. And so even though he he died, we were able to retcon that. With Kelly, I feel like this is a good opportunity to remind everybody that actions do have consequences. And if that costs her her leg, yeah, there there are fixes for that in terms of, like, providing her with a bionic leg. Um, but I could also see it just being fixed by Pablo Magic. Right. Um, and, and I would be okay either way, but I do lean more towards actions need consequences. I, I'm with you. And to me, it, it is. It's more It's more interesting to see that that new element be, be foisted upon this character than essentially have everybody go, ah, scary, and then just completely walk yeah. it back. I feel like Ash walks out of that, uh, walks out of that attic, but it's because that evil demon child escapes in it. And is at bay. 
so, for a minute, but yeah. like there's no way Demon Baby doesn't come back. Those teeth look expensive. You <laughs> oh, definitely yeah. use that kid again. Absolutely. Um, but whether or not it's going to go on like a little mini rampage as it like consumes people in the town. But wasn't there like in the in the next week on that I saw, I don't always see them, but I saw it and wasn't there like a quick shot? I don't know if you saw it. Did you see it? Yeah. So wasn't there a quick shot of the like baby demon head on a, a big old body? Yeah. I believe that's the hiker. I'm not down. I do not want to party <laughs> with that guy. <laughs> Oh man, that poor kid. <laughs> but, but okay, so the other the other thing that I guess we should touch on is you mentioned like uh, Pablo and the magic. So we saw also in the next week on he's he's getting some uh, some astral plane guidance from the Brujo again. Again, this is assuming that this isn't a deadite trick because now that we've seen Kaya's face. It, for me, it's reinforced even more that the woman he's been seeing is, in fact, Kaya. Uh, um, that way, you know, when that mask finally comes off, it's like, yep, that's Kaya. So that's that's my thought on the matter. I really hope it's not a trick, but it could also be that she's trying to manipulate him, but El Brujo is trying to help him. I just want this poor boy to get to run his cart, his food cart. Yeah. That's all I want. His food truck. This poor guy. Pablo's fishing trip. This chips. poor guy. That would be great. Um, the only other thing I want to say is that I think with Kelsey, uh, Kelly's constant assertions that, yeah, Ash is a jerk, but he's our jerk, and he's right. a he's doing the best that he can for you under the circumstances i feel like by the time the group meets up again brandy's going to be less salty towards ash that's going to be an adjustment period though well we also got an illusion uh ruby alluded to the uh the the anointed the prophesied one being killed by his own offspring. offspring so maybe that's not the evil demon spawn no and that could it could be right like yes they could refer to the crazy sharp tooth hell baby sure but but i feel it like could it would be brandy right you juke a lot more a lot more drama out of it being the the girl that nobody wants to see die horribly versus the demon baby that like everybody wants to see die so we all feel safer <laughs> yeah that would be interesting all right do we have any final predictions before we wrap it up for the evening uh no i I predict i will like it and it will make me feel things (laughs) i predict that all of our characters are going to be eaten by bears 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 are dangerous bears are one of the greatest threats facing people who go and mess with bears (laughs) in this country Someone really needs to put a stop to it. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Lex, where can people go if they want to find you? Uh, I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. I also do a podcast with Tari J. Miller called Missing Out, where we share art, uh, media, culture, and experiences with each other, and we talk about why some of these things resonate with us the way that they do. It's the retrospective that's introspective. You can find it on Twitter at Missing Outcast and wherever podcasts can be found, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. Come check it out. We love you. Big kisses. Uh, again, Lucretia was not able to be here tonight but you guys can follow her at lucretia lion on social media and be sure to also check out her horror show that she does with her co-host chauncey it's fantastic be sure to tune in next week we're going to have a special guest here on this after show uh and that's going to be a lot of fun if you haven't already done so go to itunes rate subscribe leave a comment we love hearing from you best way to let our producers know that you guys like the show that we're putting on i'm megan salinas you guys can tweet at me at the Mengwin. that's t-h-e-m-e-n-g-u-i-n thank you guys so so much for watching we will see you next time Bye. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com.
I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. I'm all out of love. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.